name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, St. Paul's. It is so good to be here and be your curate for the next two years. Are y'all excited? I'm excited. I'm so excited to serve with y'all. And happy Father's Day. My dad's here today. Tell them hi later. Yes, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Don't hold it against them. They're Methodists. Okay. <laughs> Dad, I thank you for being like Christ in my life, the strong tower upon which I can lean. All right, y'all. Today's gospel is about a man being possessed by demons. This is not something we hear a lot about today, folks being possessed by demons, right? And um, I think this might be a little hard to relate to, but I want to kind of reframe this in, in modern terminology that I think we can, we can understand or maybe feel things like evil spirits or, or compulsions that we might experience in our lives. And I think a, a modern word that, that would relate, I think, to this problem in the gospel is, is called addiction. So consider the ways in which addiction might be analogous to demon possession. The possessed man has completely lost his sense of self and his identity <clears throat> as a child of God. Scripture says he's living among the tombs cast out from his community. His illness has made him incapable of living a life where he can be a productive member of society. His actions he can no longer control. His affliction has taken away his freedom to pursue his faith and his life. He is literally in bondage, a slave to the demon's wishes. And I think all those words we would use to describe someone who's afflicted with addiction today. I'm going to quote <clears throat> a couple facts from Dr. Patrick Karn's book, A Gentle Path Through the Twelve Steps. We know now from neuroscience research that addiction literally changes the neural pathways in the brain. It chemically, the different networks of neural pathways, chemically encourage us to repeat harmful and compulsive behaviors. And I've totally messed up my, my order from this morning. So all addictions, if they don't involve, even if they don't involve alcohol or other drugs, create the same effects in the same centers of the brain. So addictions, they're interactive. One can trigger or replace or heighten another. And trauma, whether physical, sexual, or emotional, changes, literally changes the brain's chemistry, predisposing it to addictions and compulsions. Isn't this incredible what science has taught us? and maybe a little horrifying. So addiction can be anything that creates this hostage situation in our brains and gets us fixated on something for so long that it actually changes our neurology. And we can be held hostage by a number of things in addiction. For example, have you ever met a person addicted to being right? Yeah? Or, or a person who's addicted to being the victim? or a person addicted to their phone. I know I'm certainly addicted to my phone. It's not just sex or drugs or alcohol, maybe buying things. And personally, I've been addicted to codependent relationships. 
And I'm sure everyone in here at one time or another has struggled with some sort of addiction or certainly has a loved one who has. Because addiction in our culture today is pervasive. It's everywhere and it contains a multitude of tormentors. Just like when Jesus asked the man, what is your name? He said, legion, because there were a multitude of demons possessing this man. So what addiction, evil spirit, or demon is holding you hostage, my friends? What is its name? There are many reasons we're held hostage by addiction. But one thing's for sure that the 12-step program has taught us is that addiction at its core is a spiritual problem. We lose our identity as children, beloved children of God, and we trade it for the idols of other identities, getting away from what we were created for. We were created to be God's loving presence in the world, imitators of Christ and in union with God's creation. As St. Augustine taught us, as humans, we are inherently spiritual creatures created in God's image for God's purposes. So when we make a habit of putting our energy and desire toward the false gods of addiction, it will literally suck the life out of us, leaving us feeling empty, exhausted, chaotic, and often depressed. And when we don't order our desire to God's love, we will fall into addictive patterns that will take us further and further away from God's love. Have I bummed you guys out yet? <laughs> I promise I'm going to turn the ship around. Just hang in there with me. So the, the founders of the 12 steps were Christians, and one of them was even an Episcopal priest. They took the first three steps from their interpretation of Scripture, and I think we can find those three steps in the Scripture reading today. Step one states, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. The demon-possessed man recognizes Jesus, goes straight up to him, and shows him his powerlessness. You remember in the scripture says that even shackles and chains couldn't control this man. Step two, we, became, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The man and the evil spirits within in him recognized that Jesus is the son of the God most high. They knew he had power to heal and to destroy. They even bargained with him to throw them into the pigs instead of the abyss. Step three states, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And I think the most incredible thing that this man did was that he actually came to Jesus. He fell down before him and asked him to save him. So the good news, friends, is that we can break the bondage of addiction by throwing ourselves into the care and love of Christ. I believe the 12-step program is such a place to encounter this love and care of Christ, as is this community. Dr. Carnes further explains that talk and self-help ther therapies effectively change a person's thoughts and behaviors, such as working the 12 steps, and it can heal the brain in observable and predictable ways, guiding it through the process of a physical restructuring. And this process appears to build and deepen new neuropathways, which in turn create new patterns of thinking and acting. Isn't that great news? 
So then, the patterns we enact in this community, especially soon as we take the Eucharist, is a way in which we can reprogram not only our souls and our hearts, but also our minds and our brains and those neural pathways. So we can start finding and manifesting our real identity, our identity as children of God. You see, beloved friends, nothing is outside the healing power of Christ. Not even those who are held captive by our compulsions. No, we are able to come to the feet of Christ and simply ask for help, for healing. Christ can and Christ will heal us in one way or another, but we have to choose. We have to choose to lay down our lives in front of him. I wonder, once the man was healed from demons, if Jesus asked him what his name was, what he'd say. I know what Jesus has said to me. Sarah, child of God, mother of the church, daughter of the God most high. So I ask you now, friends, what's your name? May it be so. Amen.